Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode comes with a content warning and brushes up against topics that could be triggering for our audience. You'll find specific details in the show notes. Please take care when listening. another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Noongar Budja. A 12-year history of calisthenics, jazz, ballet, and contemporary dance have built the foundation for this 1930s-inspired glamour goddess. To call today's guest a rising star would be a heavy understatement as she soars from competition to competition, leaving a lasting impression. Having won West Australia's Apprentice in 2020 and being awarded runner-up at the WA Burlesque Idol in 2021, her pace has not slowed down. I'm so excited because today I'm speaking with the current reigning, that's right, Mixed Burlesque Perth for 2022, Lolly Moon. How are you, gorgeous? Has Hi. that like sunk in for you yet? That was a lot. I was like, oh my God, I did that. <laughs> I did all those things. Wow, this is my life. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Thank you. That was such a nice intro. You're very well. I'm just stating facts. <laughs> it's nice to like, I guess, hear all the bits read back because a lot of the time we have to write our things ourselves. So we feel like really self-centered. Yes. And you get really cringe about the bio that you're writing where it's just sort of like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was odd. But thank you. Of course. Nice. Okay. Let's dive on in because we've got a thousand and million things to talk about, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Why burlesque? Why burlesque? Um, I guess because I had such a extensive dance background before it was kind of very toned back and prim and proper but like I've always been a little bit of a slut so (laughs) like personally in the best way possible we like to take that word back Mm -hmm. so um uh from the beautiful famous words of Brooke Candy she said um slut is now a compliment a sexy ass female who's running shit and confident so that's kind of like something that I went by when I was like I don't know 14 and I was like I love that. Uh, yeah. And then I had a dance injury uh, when I did calisthenics. I stopped for a while. Turned 18, found burlesque just by <laughs> Googling shit. Um, a lot of history and things I like to read up on and then found it and I was like, oh, my God, this is me. So learning and training in calisthenics can be quite like a rigid and elitist form of art, which, I mean, we love. I come from the world of opera. We know they exist. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk about elitism much. Um, How did you find your experience with that? And then how did you, like, use that to positively affect uh, affect burlesque? Oh, definitely. Calisthenics is really intense. I started from a super young age and Mm. it's, like, runs in my family. For people who don't know, like, calisthenics in the Australian way is, like, calisthenics is an Australian sport mm. a lot of people like calisthenics oh that's what they do in America and they like warm up and they pull up on the bars and stuff it's like a gym kind of thing yeah calisthenics here is like freaking intense <laughs> it's like <laughs> calisthenics sometimes like it's crossfit and it's like no not no quite. <laughs> honey no <laughs> we swing batons and we march and 
it's we used to do like six, I think it's six different types of like routines of types, styles of dance. Jesus. And we'd learn them and then we'd perform at the end of the year, like grad show. But um, <laughs> then I did state team uh, and then I injured myself so I didn't make it over to the actual competition. What sort of injury? Um, my kneecap. So I almost oh. like really I like chipped my kneecap and it like severed the nerves and stuff like that it was really intense oh, yeah oh my god yeah I have really like 80 year old knees <laughs> so <laughs> calis- I thank calisthenics for that but um uh Miss Betty Bombshell also did calisthenics yeah. super funny when I first met her and she said something about Callie and I was like what and then it kind of makes sense where like the flexibility side comes from it yeah it was definitely a massive influence on my style of burlesque um kind of harnessing the things that I loved about calisthenics and the things that I love about burlesque. And it's just like a big baby that's kind of just merged <laughs> into what it is now. It's kind of um, one of the amazing things that I've been like learning and talking to people about burlesque is the ability to be like, well, I loved this about burlesque and I loved this about jazz and I hated all this stuff. So I'm going to throw that in the bin and keep mm. these elements and do this. 100%. It's so nice to be able to fuse it. But like, I guess in a competition setting, it is hard for me to like, make sure that I stay true to like burlesque as a style, trying not to uh, get calisthenics to like overtake my art. And I guess it's hard because I had 12 years of influence from it. Yeah. So it's really nice to not so much just like make sure I'm just not doing calisthenics and just doing burlesque, but it's kind of finding that niche in between to kind of both influence each other is it a very different competition headspace as well just like backstage and stuff too in like the calisthenics world versus the beautiful warmth that's backstage at a burlesque comp oh 100 when i like whenever i have students coming to burlesque and they're like oh i wasn't sure about joining dancing and i was like there is hardly any bitchiness and there's always going to be bitchiness and mm. like chatter and people don't agree with whatever but like coming from like dance mums like calisthenics going to burlesque i was like oh my <laughs> like it was, you can just speak your mind without judgment and it's so lovely calisthenics super super intense mm. um and I loved it and I think it's really prepared me for competitions with burlesque and I think that's why I love competitions yeah. like I because it's bred into me like <laughs> <laughs> coming from calisthenics I'm like when's the next comp we used to do like three competitions a year so Hanging on to all the comps here, I'm like, where more, more. Like, it's <laughs> funny, but definitely less stress doing burlesque competitions. Mm, so, totally. Mm. Do you uh, think that like having this might this like competitive mindset can like help or like hinder when it comes to like just creating an act for a show that isn't going to be judged? It's just going to be enjoyed and loved by people. 100. I think it's such a 50 50 for me as mm. well. I'm like, I always make my acts to be the best standard that I can. That's just who I am as a person. So I like, I don't half-ass stuff. Like yes. it's okay, to, which which also hinders me because it would be nice, which I struggle with, is to just relax and kind of get into it and stop judging every single thing that I do when I'm making an act. But it also like diamond under pressure, like kind of thing. It It always makes me like perform the best and come out with the best acts and performances that I can do. Yes, there's such like a two mindset of it too because I remember doing like this scene and in like an opera scene and being like we're thinking of adding a kiss but don't worry we'll like put up our hands and we'll do this and we'll do that and I'm the person who's like no fuck it if you want us to kiss we have to kiss we have to either do it at 100% or cut the whole bit like I don't want to participate in it if it's going to be like 
oh, we put our hands up and we turned to the side and we didn't really like, oh, like I don't care. Yeah. If you're going to commit to the part, commit to the part. Otherwise throw the whole thing home. in the bin. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like a lot of the energy you're giving 100%. right now and in burlesque in yeah. general. Yeah. I have this life saying and people, <laughs> it's fun. It's, I mean, I guess it's good, but it's bad. I'm always like, if you don't plan, then you plan to fail. And I guess it's the Whoa. Capricorn in me. But yeah, if you don't plan, you plan to fail. Is that, where's that from? I don't know. I love it. I actually don't know where it came from. I don't, I don't, I've used it for that long. I can't even remember where I got it from. Quoted by insert person here. Yes. <laughs> Someone will do now. research later and I'll find it out. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's the Capricorn in me. I'm just like an over planner with everything. But it also mm. really helps like make me stress less about competitions, acts, just planning everything out and putting it down. Yeah. Would that mean that like it can be thrown off easily too? Like if there's changes? Because I've had that where like you get to the Astor stage and no one told you that the floor is carpeted and you go, oh, shit. Mm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the whole thing's ruined. Mm-hmm. I guess. I've opened up more to asking for help and asking hey, questions. Hey, we love Yay. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess uh, coming from, again, the strict dance background, coming to an open kind of like ba- dancey thing for burlesque, it's being able to actually ask for help and getting it, which is lovely. And uh, everybody's super open and helpful. So you can actually just ask something and they will literally just answer you instead of like, oh, I don't know. that everybody wants to help so everybody out there just ask for help (laughs) just ask (laughs) first 10 minutes in and it's just like roller coaster like ask for help do everything do nothing (laughs) (laughs) welcome to my brain (laughs) you mentioned something a little earlier about like reclaiming the word slut and that you were like and I'm taking that and I'm using it forever but you also said that that happened at 14 can you explain that a little bit to me Mm, yeah, I don't know. It's I guess it's um I grew up with a beautiful single mom and my sister uh and my mom has like just raised me really well as mm. in like open and confident and be who you want to be and I'm really extremely grateful for that. Yeah, mama um, moon. I know, right? Go mama moon. Um and she still helps me to this day. She's amazing. Um but I guess uh, I, I had public schooling education and it was like I went school to school because I had a lot of bullying when I was younger. And yeah. um, I mean, who doesn't these days? <laughs> um, and I guess uh, just going on to – my sister is super open and she's awesome and she's she sings and she does all that fancy art stuff and she just listened to like hip-hop and influenced mm. me with all that and she found like Brooke Candy was like my first kind of – YouTube watching video of like someone who just owns their shit and I just watched it and I was like oh my god who is this uh then I went down the rabbit hole and she was all about do what you want dress how you want people are gonna judge you no matter what so why not just do what makes you happy and I've kind of like harnessed that and I've always had it like within me Mm. and then throughout like life experiences growing up blah 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 I was in like you know, when you're like 16, you have a relationship and you're like, my life is over when like your relationship is <laughs> over. I have one of those things. And then I was like, who am I as a person? I'm like, you're like 17, calm down. Chill, <laughs> chill <Yeah>. out. <laughs> and then I went, I went to Europe when I was 18. So I kind of like reclaimed my independence. Ooh, um, whereabouts did you go? I went to 52 countries. Jesus Christ, yeah. don't list them. I was I, like, tell me where. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't if you asked me, like honestly. On a Kentucky sort of thing? On a Kentucky. Yeah, I was like. 
working as a barista and studying and I was like, I'm going to save all my money and go to Europe and I fucking did it. So I was really happy to do that and that's where I kind of was like, I really like being independent. (laughs) Like (laughs) went to Europe, came back and I was just, uh, I guess, influenced by all the culture over there and never turned back and always had that confidence in myself and again yeah don't take words to heart at all like bitch slut whore anyone can call you anything and I kind of I've just always been carefree about it like I don't really let other people's opinions influence my own opinion on myself so and I guess it's 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 really hard to find in these days because of the patriarchy and everything that's happened. <laughs> I love the pause you gave then. Like, hang on, I've got to like embody my gross voice for this word. <laughs> Legit. Very much so. You know, words. Um, I guess, yeah, it's really hard to find them, which is really upsetting these days to find women that have always loved themselves. And I guess it just happens. It's it's how the world works, which is really a, sh- a shitty thing to think and happen but it is what it is and it's really nice as a woman who's always loved themselves and of course I've had like ups and downs I am totally (laughs) look at myself every day and go oh my god I love you but (laughs) nine times out of ten I harness for those kind of positive energy and it's okay to love your flaws as well so I really like to spread that message to women and well just everybody I guess in just to love yourself more, <laughs> take the words back and don't be influenced by men saying gross things at yeah. you and stuff. It's not who you are. It's just a word. Super interesting and very cool that this came like kind of energy charge came off the back of a breakup too. Yeah. Where it's like <laughs> this is a nasty time and you even in the nasty moment because, I mean, 16 heartbroken is is a difficult, it's a difficult yeah. heartbreak to get through. Um, that you're able to harness that energy and be like, well, I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to save and I'm going to figure out who I am. Mm -hmm. It's a very big question to ask yourself that little. Yeah, yeah. I'm really headstrong. I'm such a headstrong person and I guess it hinders me at times, but uh, I'm really, really driven. I set a goal and I achieve it and I'm all for setting goals and just smashing things out of the park. I just, it, it just feels great to achieve things. Like even if it's a small thing, just set yourself that goal. And if you can get there, it just makes you feel better about getting to other goals you set. <laughs> totally. So is that how you approach like, like I listed like 110 competitions that you've done in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> At my intro, I'm sure I did. Um, is that how you set out like with the comps going up? Was it like I need to do apprentice, then I have to do idol, then I need to do like, was it that sort of step for you? Yes and no. See, I first watched Burlesque in Perth when I went to MBA um, mm. and I was kind of like, oh, my God, I want to do that. I don't do you know. remember what year that was? God, I don't, don't have to. Know. It's fine. I was just in my brain. I'm like, I wonder if I remember who won. <laughs> oh, I can't even remember now. I'm. Yeah, it was a, few, it was a while ago, but was it was probably like 2017 or 18 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I've been doing Burlesque for maybe – six years now I don't know I, I lost count Sorry, but I, I yeah time is nothing Keep exactly <laughs> uh-huh it's just it's everywhere but um no I definitely um lost my words now question oh yes. it was about um a goal setting for goal the competition setting, it, was it just like boom apprentice boom mm, idol boom mm. mix yeah I started dancing with Sugar Blue and I had a great teacher because I'm all the way in Mandra. Um, <laughs> and I had Elena Anamoya who doesn't actually do burlesque anymore. So sad. How dare you? 
Um, but this is your national call out. How yeah, you? I will call you out. I love her very, very much. She is my original and my only burlesque mum. And I did it, and she was like, "Oh, people have been talking about your videos, like of me performing." It's like you're doing really well and it's really Ooh. nice to just get straight back feedback because I'm like, no bullshit, tell me how it is. Yep. Um, tell me that my little pinky toe was pointed in the wrong direction. Please do. Yeah. I'm used to that. So yeah, I'm like, give it yeah. to me. <laughs> um, so and then I did my first solo at the Sugar Blue grad show and then I was uh, – it was actually Ida Ocean. Uh, oh, God. Love I know. Yeah. I love her. Um, I'd first connected with her through a Broadway class I did with Lucy Lovegun and we did Priscilla, the Queen of the Desert. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh, iconic. Uh, I was Bindi Irwin uh, and she was a emu and she made this beautiful headpiece and I loved it. Anyway, uh, Apprentice application said opened for the first year of WA and I was umming and ahhing and then backstage at the grad show she was like, just do it. What's the worst that could happen? Totally. And I was like, okay. And she kind of pushed me and then we've just had a friendship ever since. <laughs> We're just like, beautiful, it's born. Um, but I did it the first year and I didn't place. Um, mm. And I guess I was – I wasn't super upset about it um, because I was fresh and new to burlesque and it was lovely to see the competition environment and it was like the first kind of amateur competition uh, in Perth. Uh, it's a and it really was, quick way to get like noticed by a lot of people very fast too. 100%. I guess it was all about uh, being like, hey world, I'm here. Hi, yeah. burlesque scene. Um, it, it's good. Yeah, it's good timing with fringe and everything. Uh, so I went back and did it the next year. Again, I set the goal. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I based it a lot off like the rules uh, of the criteria that we were given. Um, At the time, it was like a whole different ruling that we have now. Mm -hmm. But I was like, all these like scores that you can get are based off like classical burlesque. And so I went with more, yeah, I went with more of a classic because I'm like, I want to tick those boxes. Um, And I love classic burlesque. And that's kind of where it was born for my love for burlesque, the golden era. Um, and, And then the next year, I was kind of like finding myself in more of like what we used to, I guess, neo burlesque. Yeah. and I kind of just went with that and I just fell in love with it. I found my niche in a way and I think the confidence that I had of going into that competition was 100% different. Mm. So, again, yes, yeah, setting goals and making sure I achieve them, that's where I went from. Yeah, so. I think so what you said and super important is that like there was a year where you tried to really attack what you thought they wanted from you mm-hmm. and it sounds like you weren't as successful as the time where you went, no, fuck it, I'm going to do what is right for me in this moment mm-hmm. and then your personality and your confidence shone through much more than you going down and like let's like try and meet the marketing criteria. Yeah, and that always goes back to don't tick other people's boxes, tick your own. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, 100%. So then I was like, Yay, that was fantastic. And I got a lot of opportunities from that. I'm so grateful for that competition. It's amazing. I got to be in my first Fringe Festival. It was awesome. My first Fringe Festival, I did like 20-something shows. Yeah, gross, right? I was like over committing to the Mm -hmm. max because it was my first Fringe. And like double show nights and everything. Yeah, I think I I did three shows in one night. How? Mm, I did like Hot Shots, um, not Hot Shots, uh, Hot Sauce Burlesque. and then I did a Tease Productions one and we did two shows in one night, the same night, back to back. Oh so 
my poor little 80-year-old knees were dead. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm not going to do that again. Um, I'm overcommitted because, you know, fresh to the scene. Uh, you want to take every opportunity you can. But at the same time, it's like, don't just take every opportunity because it's handed to you. Make sure you pick and choose and look after your body and otherwise you're not going to perform the best that you can. Yeah, completely, yeah. Um, by, by like show 18, people aren't getting what they were getting at show three. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you wasted your $20. <laughs> yeah. It's still good. Always got to put on, always got to commit, but definitely tired, <laughs> tired showgirl. Wow, so that's like just one of the – like opportunities that came out of Apprentice and then that just propelled you forward to the next thing? Yeah, 100%. I think it was um, before the COVID hit <laughs> the world, um, the last NBA that we watched where it was uh, Kitty Little and Lucy Lovegun who took out the top spots, I was like, I'm going to do it. Like that's kind of when I was like, I feel like I'm ready. And then COVID hit <laughs> and I was like, not that bad because now I can kind of fit in where I want to be and I still had that goal like and everyone was asking when COVID kind of cleared out a little bit are you gonna apply you're gonna do this and I was like yes I'm gonna apply like I was straight out about it I was like I'm gonna do it like I've set myself that goal I'm gonna do it I was super confident about getting into the competition um I think that, I don't know if it's ego or not, but I was like, <laughs> I was kind of like, I deserve to be here. It's quite a lengthy application. You've got to be pretty like set in what your package deal is that you're going to offer for all, like, across those categories. It's 100%. a lot. 100%. The applications are really lengthy. You have to have your concept like fully functioned. You don't get that a lot of time once you get your acceptance to the actual comp. Yeah, like this year was only a couple of months. Mm, I know they've had longer in the past, but obviously like as they're just getting their footing back again, it was literally two months. It was short notice. But at the, <laughs> but at the same time, I'd again, I'd already worked those ideas into my book. I'd set that yeah. goal and I'd worked towards it. I had my uh, co- costume concept ideas. I was already working on them. I had the bases. So it was... I felt really deserving to be in the competition and it's like it's I mean it's it's one thing to be like I'm so excited and grateful to be there 100% but I have that mindset where I'm determined and I was like I belong here and it's like I think that gave me extra confidence to be like I belong on this stage and I, I don't doubt myself in those things and I think that gives me that extra kind of confidence I've just I'm just a confident person <laughs> <laughs> confidence, 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 confidence. yes it doesn't I hope it doesn't come across as like ego in a way because I hate like egotistical people but it, for me I feel like it comes from a place of love and like yeah confidence confidence confidence, confidence. <laughs> confidence. I don't think it comes across as egotistical personally because it's like I'm sorry that I know my shit and at some point I mean especially as femme people are we continuing to just have to apologize for knowing yeah. what we know Stop apologizing for being good at what you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking oath. Like you knew what your package was. You knew what you had to offer. So was it a lovely, grateful, thank you so very much for choosing me. But it's also like you made the right choice. Good yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I, and people need to do that. Like be more confident in your things that you do. Like just do it. Like the worst thing that can happen is they say no. And then mm. you go, okay, it's really good when you get uh, pushbacks. Like, ugh. A recent episode of Drag Race, Evie Oddly was like, fail, fail as much as you can. And as as much as that's great, it's like if you fail in something or just get pushed back, ask why. And Mm. I think that's really important instead of getting a no, going home and being like, 
I wasn't good enough. It was probably this. It was probably that. And then talking yourself into like your inner saboteur kind of thing. A full spiral where you talk yourself into being like, well, they said no. They must hate the core of my existence. Exactly. um, And I must Mm. not be worthy to be alive. And it's like, no one said that. Yeah. (laughs) I think it was Minxie only a few weeks ago that was like, yeah, sometimes I get pushed back when I apply for things because there's already four other white AFAB people doing a comedy routine and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. 100%. It's where you fit into the show and it, it doesn't mean like just because there's another act like that can be like I guess in the same kind of vibe as yours mm-hmm. doesn't mean theirs is better than yours. It might even just be that like they applied first. or Totally, like yeah. You're just, yeah, it's just making sure the show's inclusive. And again, going back to if you get a no, a lot of producers in Perth are lovely and just email them back and ask, can I just ask, like, you know, why my application was knocked back? Do you think there's anything that was limiting me? Ask the questions. Again, with that email, they could just say it wasn't anything like that. Like, I don't know. It's just nice to ask for feedback. Totally, totally. Asking without the thing. I don't know how to put this, without feeling that you're entitled to like some sort of lengthy response about their selection process when the mm. reality is like, I picked the first four people that yeah. asked me. Yeah, 100%. I think like, yeah, don't expect, I mean, you don't always get those like back like, oh, it was just this or this. Like, and again, don't take it personally. But it's sometimes just ask instead of going down that spiral of mm. like, why didn't I get in and blah, blah, blah. And again, there's always next year. Like, even if you get in and you don't, you don't do it how you wanted to do it, do it again. Do it until yeah. you want it. Or just don't. Like it's <laughs> like it's so 50-50 with me. I'm like, just do it until you achieve what you want. But like Or just never do it again. Or just never do it again. <laughs> if you get to that point and you're like, I don't think this is for me anymore and your goals change, that's fine. Change yes, it. because we're adaptive people. One hundred percent. You don't have to set the goal and achieve it. Like you can set miniature goals and if you're achieving like those steps and you don't actually achieve the goal like itself, oh my little my new little saying thing this goes into it. Is like, oh, reach for the moon and you'll find yourself upon the stars. Completely. I was mm. just thinking about like that idea where it's like you could get all the way to the, the competition stage you want to be on and not win or place or whatever and it just doesn't matter because you probably achieved all the things you wanted to achieve like great footage, great photos, mm-hmm. new contacts, all of that shit. If you tick those boxes, do you need to do it again immediately? Probably not. No, no. I, I was like – once I finished the competition and I was super happy with my performances and, like, I'm not going to, like, not say it, but, like, I entered that competition to win. Like, that's, totally. that's who I am. I'm like, if you don't enter that competition to win, personally for me, like, of course some people, it's just a massive achievement to be on that stage and, mm. like, that's an awesome goal. this was your goal. That yeah. was my goal. Exactly. We have different goals so it's okay to respect each other's goals and it doesn't mean we're less than anybody mm-hmm. else for setting different goals. But I was went into it, I was like, yeah, I want to win this. Like, I'm determined to. And coming, like, second is an awesome achievement in myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the uh, the positive thing that came out of that for me is like, I can do it again. <laughs> like, not yet, not yet. I still got a lot of other things I want to do, but like. Lolly announces 2023. Like, no, no. <laughs> I want to travel first. <laughs> Yes, wear out the Perth title first. Yeah, oh, 100%. Make everyone sick of you saying that before you yeah, can. Definitely. Completely. I was like, I'm going to use that as much as I can. Yes, that's exactly what you do with it. I love that. Let's leave everybody with that, like, beautiful, warm, fuzzy for just two seconds while we go to ads. And when we come back, let's talk more about the local arts scene. Hold up. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. Uh, Rehydrated and ready to go with another lot of questions. Um, I wanted to talk to you, obviously, about like the local Perth art scene. But... As you reminded me during the break, I actually really want to touch on your unique act from um, Mixed Burlesque, yes. if we could. Oh, um, the timing, obviously, in the world, uh, do you, unfortunately, with, you know, the overturn of Roe v. Wade in the US mm-hmm. um, and people advocating for AFAB people's rights here in Australia as well, do you think that, um, this is the worst word and I don't have a better word for it, do you think it benefited you? to have the whole world shitting on women in that moment so you could come out with this massively amazing women empowerment act on that night? This is what's funny and not funny about it is that the world's always shitting on women. So it's kind of like, (laughs) it's kind of like that act was always apparent to me, Mm -hmm. I guess, to the world. And like, for me, it needed to come out. It's actually been in the works for like two years. Wow. Yeah. So... Not like super hands-on on on in the works, but like in my brain. Churning. Had the songs, heard the song, like heard the first song, that bitch. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like I just I loved it. So I was like, I'm gonna do this. Like it's what I wanna, it's what I want my burlesque to, I guess, advocate for and push into. Mm-hmm. And I guess the timing, yes, it was great timing. And I guess it made more of an impact in a way that's that shit, because I was like, it's awesome that my act is going to be bringing across, like, bringing these issues up and, like, on such a big platform. Like, mm. it's really important that this act is making the impact I wanted it. But it also sucks that I had to, like, do it in a way. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it sucks that it was becoming more important and apparent. And, like, blah, 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 words. It, was, <laughs> it sucks that it was more important for me to perform that act like now than than before or later. So yeah, I mean, it just thinking about it a bit more. Just because it was like current in the news cycle that day, doesn't mean that it wasn't as an important message the week before or the week after. It's just yeah. what was on everybody's lips in that moment. Yeah, but yeah it probably benefited from BuzzFeed article clicks. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but it was already something that needed to be like spoken about, regardless of whether, yeah, whether or not people were talking about it that day because. You know, here in Western Australia, we've always had shitty laws around AFAB yep. people and their rights to an abortion. Like mm. before, after this, this particular decision maybe brought more light to it, but it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't something we already crap at it. <laughs> we already shit. I know. <laughs> and <laughs> burlesque has always been political. Like mm-hmm. since it was born, it's been political. Like 
like burlesque AFAB women and have just paved the way for, I guess, sex, the sex industry. Like we're, we are sex workers. Like at the end of the day, burlesque, we are sex workers. And it's really important that people understand that and acknowledge that because we, and we are also privileged sex workers. Like as burlesque mm. performers, we have more privilege, which is really shitty, yeah. like um, than a lot of other sex workers in Australia, in Perth, in the world. So for me, it was really important that I used that privilege of being a burlesque performer and I guess it's just showing that a little bit more light on that stage and knowing that there's going to be like men in the audience that come to burlesque shows and especially knowing like a lot, I've I've had some heckling in the audiences from past burlesque, like Miss Burlesque shows. I remember the last year, some man talking through like one of the performances and me being like, like respect, trying to be respectful, like, hey man. And then him like having an absolute go. Uh, yeah. And I was like, Shit. that was, yeah, that was kind of like, I keep thinking about that when I go into this act, knowing that it's going to be performed at the same theatre that like, mm. I had that heckling thing happen. So it was nice to be like, I'm going to say this and I don't care if it offends anyone. And if it offends anybody, then they're the problem and not me. And I love Sugar DeJour so much. She kind of like added on my bio before before that act because she, you know, she, every woman feel like feels it when they hear that act and like the fuel in my belly kind of like is like, it's not just me and I'm not just, it's not me thinking this. Like, mm, totally, yeah. 100%. The reason it got the response that it got was because people could resonate with it so much. Like, the, the audience, they went up. People, st- you saw, people stand, yeah, stood up at great. the end of your act. There were some really, like, big reactions yeah. to what you were doing and that's because it related to people. 100%. It's like, like, my initial thought of that act was, why do we have 1950s views in 2022? Mm. Like, we have evolved. We're, like, something like 11 years like until we can upload our like consciousness onto a device but like (laughs) but women still don't have like (laughs) girls just want to have fundamental human rights like I have a t-shirt that says that it's great (laughs) girls just want to have fundamental human rights (laughs) and it's I guess it's just yeah it's just having that platform and being able to be like this isn't okay like podcasts are great but all of a sudden we've just had this influx of men thinking that they can just grab a mic and say whatever they want and no one's going to call them out for it. But yeah, it's it like, used to be SoundCloud rappers and now they're just talking. Uh, right? <laughs> like at least you had to rhyme in the past, Jeff. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> like, I know. And it, I, I mean, it it really pisses me off. And like I'm that person that it will just make my blood boil and I'm not somebody to say nothing. I'm always that person to say something. Yeah. And again, I don't apologize for it and it might get me in trouble like sometimes with things, but... I would rather like say too much than nothing at all and that's why I wanted to do that act and put it off and just be like I'm confident and like be confident <laughs> again confidence <laughs> like I just confidence confidence that's gonna be your quote title <laughs> yes thank you someone else was like lolly moon folds like a deck chair I was like I love that <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Yes." laughs> fucking funny you can pack it up and take it yeah. to the beach yeah <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Confidence on the go. <laughs> um, I just want to backtrack a tiny little bit. You refer, use some terminology that I haven't heard before, but I love and I want to write it everywhere. You refer to burlesque performers as like as privileged sex workers. Um, can we dive into that just a little bit more? Because mm. I mean, 
it definitely resonates when a lot of sex workers aren't going to book out the Astor Theatre mm-hmm. where they know that people are going to rock up in suits and ties to go and see them do this show and sit very nicely and cheer very politely and gush and give um, compliments without uh, <laughs> doing like mild mm-hmm. sexual assault on the people who are performing. So it, yeah, definitely screams it. I love that terminology. Like where does that, tell me a bit, bit more about that for you. I don't know. I guess I've seen like a lot just talking in the burlesque community about it and like social media. I mean, it's a massive platform that we spread a lot of like knowledge on. But personally for myself, I use that term because it's so true. And, but yeah. it's also really odd because like burlesque again is like the original kind of like sex work kind of thing. Yes, we've had like brothels and things like that. And burlesque was like underground, like speakeasies and um yeah, I don't know. It was just like the birthplace of for me, like where that comes from. And I don't know, we've always carried this like burlesque privilege of knowing that we're in control on the stage and people will pay money to come and see us. And it's mm. like I could be talking about someone who works at like on like a pole dancer or Mm. like a strip club and it's the same thing. I work on that stage. I own that stage and I'm confident men come and pay to see me. Yeah. And I mean like straight women will bring their straight boyfriends and go as couples to see you, which is something that doesn't happen. My best friend goes to strip clubs with her boyfriend. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm yeah, like, but that's, all, that's stigmatized in a way that the, it isn't in yeah, burlesque. Yeah, exactly. And I guess it's, it, it's still a question that I ask myself is why. Like mm. why, why do we have this like privilege over it? Why are we deemed like okay and you can dress up super dapper and like it's a massive event and mm. and it's classy like you hear classy yeah. stripping a lot of the time and it's like nothing classy about what I do but <laughs> like it's yeah it's not like we're strippers not and what it's classy because all the nipple is banned still on burlesque stages oh, is that it oh so annoying <laughs> but is that what makes it classy is that the separation is because tassels let me tell you something sticking on tassels backstage is one of the least classy things i've ever seen people doing it like uh-huh. ever i had to rip my pasties off and glue another pasty straight back on to go back on the stage with two acts totally, like yeah. nothing classy about all that spirit gum like, <laughs> like let's be real but i guess it is the hyper uh, sexualization of women's bodies um, and burlesque having that privilege of being now blended in with drag and like music like yourself you've done the double entendre that was like you performing while the beautiful autumn days danced and mm. like we bleed into each industry and it's just its whole art form and I love how much burlesque. And a lot of people are like, yeah. I don't know, I've talked to a few people that are kind of mad about it and they're like, it shouldn't be happening. Like we need to make sure we keep it as it is. And it was like, but burlesque has always grown and we're always influenced by what's, again, political standpoint. Burlesque is political. Yeah. It's influenced by what's happening in it's the literally world. literally a parody. <laughs> it, that's <laughs> what it is. Like, parody on clothing standards. And if you keep the word parody at its core, you're going to be fine. And Mm -hmm. you'll allow it to move and shift. But if you take that away, then, yeah, it's a different thing. I actually love that you brought up the double entendre thing because people reacted very differently to me working with the Incredible Autumn Days in double entendre than they did in a show I did before that where I sang and a stripper took her clothes off. It was a very similar show, a very similar production. I sang, they took their clothes off. That's the... (laughs) the same makeup in either worlds but the reaction from the audience was very different this is what I don't this is the 
privilege that I'm talking about that I don't really understand where it's coming from. Like men, maybe, like probably, (laughs) but I don't get it. Like I also don't understand. I'll have to ask some of like my heterosexual AMAB men. Go find all the het men and be like, hey, good question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I will because it's like why do you see burlesque when you go and watch a fringe show as like, wow, that's like, that's awesome. Like, oh, it was a good time. Like mm. you were saying with your performance. And then you go and watch, for instance, the exact same show, but someone, even, even just the name burlesque dancer or stripper and people have a different view on it. They have a different reaction to it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's probably what I'm going to go and question after this. I will go and do some research. Molly in the streets getting answers. Yeah, I'll be that person. I'll be that podcast person. (laughs) I'm here for it. Good. I don't know how to rip these microphones out of here, but like go off. Yes. Figure it out. Again, asking questions. Like it all loops back to everything. Like if you like, yeah, I've heard about it. I use the terminology and I will now go forth and look deeper into it just because like because I, I don't wanna, have the answer. Yes, I like to have the answers to things yeah. and I don't like to talk about topics that I don't have a lot of information on. Like this is good because it's like exploring my own thoughts on them. Mm. But like I won't go like and spit facts that I think are facts about a conversation that I don't oh, actually totally. know and information you're, on. You're also not sitting here being like, oh, well, I've got the answer. A hundred percent. Which is cool. I hate that. I hate when people have conversations with you and I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to research that and then I'll elaborate further with you. And they yeah. just want to have that conversation then and there. And I was like, no, because like <laughs> that's lack of control in a conversation when yeah. you're just talking over me. And I think that's a lot of the time what happens if on If you podcast. just want to monologue at me, just say that. Yeah. If you're like, hey, I have a thought and I actually don't want to hear your input, but can I monologue for three mm-hmm. minutes? Then at least I can say, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I can leave. When people go, oh, can I, can I tell you something? No. 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 Are you telling me this thing, does that mean I don't get to say anything back? Oh, yeah. Then no, actually. Yeah. <laughs> she don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. I'm like, I've listened to some, like, conversations and like podcasts and things and you just sit there and you're like, I have, I have so many thoughts but I'm not going to say them to you because I know what you're going to say back to me. <laughs> it's the beauty and like the evil of the podcast is like when I've been that person where they're sitting there trying to figure out what year Ice Age came out and I'm like, I know, I know the answer. It was 2000 and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> in, the yes. car, in the car screening. Uh-huh. Yeah, but this is uh, about more important topics than uh-huh. when the mammoth story came yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I love that I said that not knowing when Ice Age came out. <laughs> I hope someone in their car is really mad. Someone will. <laughs> someone will be like, it was Baba. How do you not know that? Me editing this later, <laughs> being like, oh, I know now. I looked it so up. So funny. <laughs> I love it. So I think that there's like so much greatness in everything that, that you're doing at the moment that comes back to constant exploration, confidence in what you do, um, acknowledging when you know your shit. Uh and just asking for help. Mm. I think that's the the beautiful Lolly Moon experience. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add for our lovely listeners before we sign off today? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't so have hard. <laughs> self growth. <laughs> so <much>. Yeah. <laughs> self-growth. I love to talk. Buzzword. Buzzword. <laughs> yeah. Self growth. Confidence. They're my they're my keywords of the week. Like <laughs> put my radio voice on. Like if you're gonna take anything away, confidence is the thing. <laughs> 
Well, if you want to take more things away, tell everyone where they can find you on the socials. Yeah, so I am Lolly Moon. I'm pretty sure it's Lolly Moon underscore burlesque. I'm so bad with my handle. The links will be in the show yeah, notes. Don't stress. In, yeah, thank you. Um, I also teach at Sugar Blue Burlesque all the way in Mandurah. Come and do one of my classes. I know it's everyone's like it's so far, but it's not that far. The people who are already south of the river, look, yes. there, there is burlesque near you. A hundred percent. Come and do it. Um, I've I've travelled for heaps of things, so it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come and do a class with me. Um, I do private lessons as well. And if you want sparkly things for your boobs, uh, go follow me at Glitter Tits on Instagram, and I'll make pasties and things. Oh, you're the reason we have to breathe. <laughs> we can't free the nipple. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. If, <laughs> I'm kidding. If the patriarchy is going to do that to me, I'm going to profit off the patriarchy. Completely. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's really good. Find all of the links in the show notes today and say the word um, mix burlesque Perth as many times as you can because that's your lolly for the next year. Mm-hmm. We're signing off for today. Thank you so much for listening to WA Expose. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA expose. Um, now it's gone blank, which I hate because I was like, I've got a saying and it's gone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.